Welcome to the Haley Hennessy podcast, hosted by me, Haley Hennessy. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into topics that will empower you to discover new ways to make life juicier, more vibrant, and inspiring. Let's get started. And it just goes back into like why I think having money is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, it ultimately gives us options, and I feel like having options in life make life more uh, exciting. They're more enjoyable. Versus just having one option, you have to stick with what you got. Oh, it's, you know, no other choice. In this episode, I'm sharing a special conversation with Frank Warkaya. Frank is a master manifester, a fruit-based eater, and a real estate investor and property owner and manager. He shares his story about how he purchased his first property at 18 years old and manifested a vibrant life of taking care of fruit trees and living in Hawaii around the same time. I first met Frank at the Woodstock Fruit Festival, and what really struck me about him and his story is that he attributes much of his growth and success to eating a diet of mostly fruits, which gave him the ability and still gives him the ability to get clear on his goals and then easily bring them into fruition. This is such an energizing and inspirational conversation. And as you already heard, we pretty much dove right in when we got on the Zoom call, but I know you'll be able to follow along with us. To connect with Frank, I've linked his Instagram in the show notes below. But now let's get back to the conversation. I am curious about your initial outlook or perspective on money and having money and wealth in general. So how or what kind of mindset did you come in with and how has it evolved over the years? So coming into the world, I was born in Peru. I grew up just the first four years of my life in Peru. Then my parents migrated to the U.S. to seek, you know, the American dream, pursuing a better life, easier life than in Peru, because it is tough there with a lack of jobs and the economy not doing as well. They left uh, to Peru. I happened to just stay, uh, sorry, they left to the US. I stayed in Peru, grandma for like about a year. And then I went to, and then I got the visa to go to the US. And I grew up practically most of my childhood was in the US here in Philadelphia. But it was in a time frame where, you know, parents just came to America and they're starting to build. We're not inheriting anything. There's no inheritance. I mean, if anything, my mom would have inherited like a, a cow and a chicken from her mm-hmm. mom. So up in, you know, the mountains of Peru, but it was just all building and working. And, and for them to start off, they got, you know, the lowest jobs that they, they could. There was a construction worker. My mom was a cleaning lady. She was, you know, nannying on the weekend and she was like selling Avon stuff, you know, mm-hmm. from her house. She was doing what she could. And growing up, I remember seeing them just try to grind it out all often. And me not having parents so much at the house, me being the oldest sibling of, of four, just feeling like I have that responsibility as a, as a big brother, you know, to, you know, step in and, and provide a little bit more with just the help that I could as a kid. So although I, I would call myself first generation immigrant, I feel like I was able to at least witness and see the struggle for my parents. And that kind of was starting a fire underneath me that I really wanted to uh, act on. For you, it sounds like maybe you saw wealth as or money as something that is attainable if you take the right steps or if you follow the right path. Yeah, it took a while for me to think that. I thought people with money uh, were another class, another species. It was exclusive. You had to be born a certain way or something because we worked very hard and we were not rich. 
and we did not get a lot of money. And I thought maybe it was exclusive to the, the white race because, you know, I'm brown and I have a mole on my face and my last name is starts with an H and people can pronounce it. I thought I was, I don't know, bound to be of a certain social class. But then I realized that a lot of first generation immigrants, these people are very entrepreneurial based. And then I realized it's not up to circumstances. It's it's like up to you as an individual to decide on how to act and, you know, with the mental attitude that you decide going forward, like, and, and to not be a victim to your circumstances. That was a big one for me that kind of just broke that thought process that wealth or something was exclusive to a certain social, to a certain class of people. I guess I, I want to share how we know each other. So it makes more sense. But yeah, so we first met at the Woodstock Fruit Festival which I've mentioned many times on my podcasts and social media platforms, but it's a raw fruit festival that used to happen up in upstate New York. And it would bring together the most interesting, vibrant, and lively human beings. (laughs) But I think for the most part, there are a lot of benefits to the that lifestyle because of the physical health that comes from the vitality and the energy and the inspiration. Yeah, that's definitely what drew me to the Woodstock Food Festival. I remember your talk. I think what was that? 20, was it 2020 that you gave that talk? Your manifestation talk was really inspiring to everyone who was in that building. So what brought you to the festival was definitely different than what brought me to the festival. Yeah. How did it, how did you get connected to it and how did it all happen for you? Well, then we got to trace it back like nine years ago (laughs) uh, or, or something like that. And my brother can attest to this. When I lived in the same room as my younger brother back at my mom's house, I would binge watch videos of fruitarianism all things living in Hawaii and Southeast Asia. And then Woodstock comes into that picture. And I'm just binge watching, binge watching, binge watching, you know, watching videos like that of Michael Warnstein, of Ted Cars, and Woodstock Fruit Festival is a topic that comes about often. So then doesn't take much of a quick Google search to figure out when that festival was happening and how much. I could only afford it at the time to volunteer. So I volunteered um, as a truck driver. Um, oh, wow. I got in in 20... 20- no, I got in 2015 in the Hawaii uh, Fruit Fest for the first time. Nice. I wasn't a truck driver then. I was just like washing dishes or something. Yeah, it was a, an incredible place for me too to, to go. Like the first couple of years, it was just like a kid in the candy shop, you know, just like starstruck by the people and the lifestyle and the environment and the feeling of community, which was such a stranger feeling. You know, I never felt anything like that before. And I came back for that feeling. And then I just started coming back recently more often to network and connect with people. Uh, Yes, I do have teachings of all sorts, uh, from doctors to athletes to entrepreneurs. But, you know, I go mostly for the network and the the getting to know like-minded people who just happen to eat this way as well. Um, so yeah, first year at Woodstock was 2015, 2023. I think they're gonna have it in Florida, so I plan to go there as well. And yeah, we're keeping the keeping the the street going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so wild to me that you mentioned that the feeling brought you back because that is exactly what happened to me. It's like there's this feeling that you get not only when you're there, but even when you're not there and you know you're gonna be back. At least for me, I had this this feeling in the back of my mind or wherever it is, it motivated me the whole year to 
be healthier, to eat better, to exercise more, to just care about the things that are easily kind of pushed to the back. So it's interesting to hear that to hear you say that you had a similar feeling that pushed you to keep attending. I, I can agree with that. I feel like it's a sense of accountability for the rest yeah. of the right? You, you go into a health and wellness festival and you're coming back. And like the, the, what brings us in is the connection that we all love to eat fruits. Some are strict on it. Some just love to eat it from time to time. But we agree that fruit is a plays a big part in our in our diets, at least. Yeah, I felt that sense of accountability. Like I have to be in a more optimal state of health when coming or just throughout the year, just to, just to maintain that versus if I didn't have a fruit festival to go to at the end of August every year then I may have let myself like slouch because there's no sense of community or accountability. And it's, I I don't have that feeling so much anymore. Hopefully I'll get it again, but I do miss it. And I think about it all the time. So you started going to the festival in 2015, you kept coming back. So how did you end up going from just a regular attendee to someone who had a a relationship of friendship with Ted Carr and Mike Arnstein. I remember the first couple of years. I, well, I've always went as a as a volunteer. Um, even when I eventually could start affording it, I would still go as a volunteer. Connections with Mike and Ted. Well, so- wait. Maybe we should say who Mike and Ted are. <laughs> I'll let okay. you do that. <laughs> Uh, Mike Arnstein, uh, he's a great guy. He is a, a lot of things. He's an incredible athlete. He's an elite runner who runs not just marathons and wins, but 50 miles, 100 miles, 150 miles, races overnight, past 24 hours, and wins first place. He's a winner at heart, and I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, he's a winner in business and what he does in family. And so I look up to this man a lot. And Ted Carr, at the time, you know, I started following him. He was living in Southeast Asia. He has an online business as well. He's a big promoter of the fruitarian lifestyle, who is one of the few people who has built like a really strong athletic body with just mostly fruit, with a fruit-based diet and like very little protein. And I feel like his mindset's also very orientated towards like personal growth and executing just how Mike is, not just the idea of personal growth, but acting upon it. So two incredible guys who I look up to who both happen to share the love of fruits, just like me. So how I got connected to them more so the first year, first two years or so, I was like really shy. I didn't even approach, you know, Mike or Ted. Uh, I was just from afar. But my position at the Woodstock Fruit Festival, my duty of service was to drive trucks after a while. And so in driving trucks, I was more in touch with Mike because I had to, part of the truck driving service was that I have to go to his personal house in New York and, you know, spend the night there prior to like, or three days prior to the festival, because we have to pick up trucks like the next morning at 4am or something. So in that time, you just start, you know, talking, connecting and getting to know each other a bit more. And then year after year after year, you know, he found out that I was in Big Island and he had recently bought a house on Oahu. And because we had previously connected before. He invited me to go to his house to see it for a potential offering of a property maintenance job. Because remember, one of the first things Mike asked me, he was like, so Frank, what do you do? And I was like 18, 19. I had just bought my first house. And I said, I invest in real estate. Like, and I said it proudly, you know, because I know. And then he looked at me like, oh, like, like it wasn't just a typical you know, it was an answer that I feel like got his attention. And I could tell by the, the the way that he looked back. 
I don't know. There was always that connection that he knew I looked up to him and that he was a good role model. So eventually, uh, you know, he invited me over to his house in Hawaii and we got connected really well, really fast. And it grew from there. What took you from this guy who had dreams but hadn't necessarily accomplished as many to the person you are now or the person you've become who's able to say, okay, boom, I've got a big goal and this is how I'm going to accomplish it and I'm going to manifest this into fruition? It's just like the the thought process that nothing is going to change for the better without you being in the midst of making that decision. It's a it's a self-realization of empowerment, of of knowing that it's you that has to execute. Uh, time is going to go on as it passes. The seasons are going to change as they always do. But things will only change for you if you change. There's a saying where or a friend had told me, you know, he was he was given a list of things that are wrong with his life. And he wrote down all the things that are wrong, my job, my boss and uh, all these things that he blamed. And I looked at the list and I said, there's one problem here. You're not in it. It's you. Everything you look at reflects back at you. Law of attraction, whether they call that karma or the law of attraction, whether you believe it or not, it still takes into effect. And I feel like, um, you know, once we have that thought of like self-responsibility of the good or the bad, then, you know, you really start owning and taking ownership of the things with yeah, integrity, whether they're good or bad mm-hmm. and making the necessary plans and action to to change the life that you want to have like a vision to have a plan, to have a dream, to close your eyes and see this vision of yourself, whatever that is. You just want to live in tropical Hawaii, sipping on coconuts, you know, making money. That's what you want. And you can feel that when you close your eyes, because feeling is a big thing here in law of attraction. You will certainly definitely attract it. And I, and I was big on that because law of attraction came up for me when, even since I was like in high school, you know, early years of high school, Everything I would think about would come into play. And I'm just like, whoa, even like after two or three days, I would think about something that would come into my reality. And you know what? I think what it what enhanced that feeling was the fruit diet. I think when you're eating clean and you're in a clean vessel and a clean body, you're eating uh, your 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 headspace is clear. Your energy is is more pure. You're able to transmit these thoughts into fruition so much more easily. And what better way, right? We're eating a diet of fruits. Heck, I'm like this vessel for fruition all the time. <laughs> With manifestation specifically, was that something it sounds like that's something that you just started noticing or or when did it become something that you realized that you could take control of and you had the ability to kind of play and work with? Uh when I read this book by Erona Ingo, The Stranger's Secret who really just like confirmed that these things that I thought were just like this uh, work of magic in my head is actually a universal thing. I'm no special. It's up for grabs for everybody. It's in our inner mind. It's like our mind's this amazing magnet that we can program to attract whatever it is we want. Um, so certain books kind of like confirmed that for me. Earl Nightingale, Strangest Secret was one of them, which I still listen to. It's a 30-minute audio read, and I would always recommend it to everybody because it really changed my life to, you know, reinforce these uh, thoughts, thoughts in me. 
once you read that book or listened to it, what did you start bringing into your awareness or what what were you working on manifesting consciously after that? And what did you man? What are some things that you've manifested? I remember like one of the first big ones were like to quit my job and to uh, eventually like start having my own handyman business at the time. And so I got my own handyman business at the time. Then what was it to go to Hawaii? Oh my God, I envisioned Hawaii so deeply. Like the energy was spewing out of me. Like I wanted to live that life and I knew I was going to, I just, I didn't know how I was broke, but I knew I was going to. Uh, And then the video of Hawaii Woodstock pops up and poof. And I happened to be 18 parents were okay with letting me go except x y and z another big one was uh manifesting mike and ted carr at the same exact time i don't think it was a coincidence that ted wanted to come over when i was already living at that house at mike's and these were the two predominant guys that i would watch uh their content and feed off of their their thought processes i think it was no coincidence that they just Everything lined up for them to be there at the same time that I was there. And it was incredible. Um, Another big one was buying my first house. I wanted to buy my first house like at 19 and uh, didn't know how I was going to do it. But by just really filling up my cup with that same thought process over and over again, they say you attract the most dominant thought in your mind. And at the times, all those thoughts were the thing that I was thinking about. I was like obsessed with those thoughts. Then I remember one time I was like graduating high school and then not going to college. And my friends were like, you know, bashing at me for not wanting to go to university. And it was I made it my goal to have own two houses and then live in Hawaii before they graduate college as a hot told you so kind of thing. And that's all I was consistent on. And then one day, like I'm in a patio, um, I'm outside, the birds are chirping. It's sunrise. I'm on my phone scrolling and everybody's posting their graduation pictures. It's four years later. Everyone's graduating college, university. But then I look up and I'm in a Hawaii. I'm in beautiful Hawaii overlooking fruit trees. And I got money coming in from the two properties that I had. And I tell myself, holy crap, it happened. It came true. But what if I were to have asked for more? What if instead of four years, I would have said two years? And what if instead of two years, I would have said Or instead of two properties, I would have said four properties. You know, I get what I deserve. I got got what I asked for. If you knock it, the door will open onto you. If you seek it, these things will will appear. And so I truly believe that uh, because I seek these, it came to me. Nothing more, nothing less. So it's fair. Now I'm just trying to, you know, track more and bigger things in my life with the previous experiences that I've had. Yeah. So what's what's your process? I'm sure people who are listening will want to know the steps. So do you just figure out what it is that you're wanting and then just envision it every day? Do you use writing or journaling methods? Do you create a vision board? Do you do something digitally? What's the process that you like to use in order to manifest your dreams? I personally start with journaling how much funds I have in my bank. For some reason, it just clicks in my head quicker. It, it, it like clicks in my head more. So I uh, start with whatever funds I have in my bank. And then I start from, okay, if I invest all of this, how much will I make in six months? And if I've reinvested, how much will I make in, in a year? 
And then I just start doing that until I can feel it. It For me, it's get to that feeling of confidence of just like knowing that these things that, that you just had confidence that you can, like, you know, when you see this uh, pen in front of you, you, you know, it's there and you can grab it by that simple action. And so you want to be able to see that vision in your mind so crystal clear. And for me, it's numbers. Numbers make me feel that. So once I write out my numbers, I can see that vision crystal clear. And then stay with that feeling of confidence that you know that you're going to achieve it. Uh, The trick is to feel the feelings you would be feeling if you were to already achieve X, Y, and Z. And a big thing is, yeah, we can attract things through just thoughts alone because we have like this magnetic field around our, our, our thoughts and our mind, but the magnetic field 10 times when you're feeling it from your heart and it's more genuine and you're also grateful at the same time for what you have currently. Yeah, you're just sending out that that energy out there and things are moving in the universe as you feel that special feeling. That's cool. Yeah, that's different than anything I've ever heard on manifestation before. So it's interesting to hear your perspective. How do you go from living in Hawaii, taking care of fruit trees and you know, managing your properties from afar to coming back to Philly and becoming this real estate mogul? <laughs> I wouldn't call myself a mogul. No. <laughs> but I, I definitely did come back to Philly after I realized. So the whole thing that I told you about, like, um, when I have two properties and move to Hawaii, that was like a big thing for me back when I was like, what, 21 or something. And then when I did that, I didn't have another big goal. I was stuck. And in law of attraction, you become what you think about. And guess what? If you think about this, you become that. If you think about nothing, you become nothing. You're just stagnant. And I feel like I was stagnant for two years in Hawaii, just being like a beach bum. It's great when you earn that relaxation or when you earn that vacation. You feel like you're at a you're a freaking movie star, like you just won the Super Bowl and the World Cup, like all things all at once. When you go to that beach, you know, the beautiful beach in Hawaii, because you've earned it, you deserved it. It's so much more meaningful when you earn your relaxation. Being there for two years, it's not the same. The the color it's still Hawaii, but the colors aren't as saturated anymore. I don't know. It probably goes back into this human tendency that we want what we don't have. We always want what we don't have. When I was in Philadelphia, I want to go to Hawaii. When I was in Hawaii long enough, I'm gonna go back to Philadelphia. Because that itch, that's when it really started coming out of me, that itch to uh pursue something for myself. The thought was, what if I never went to Hawaii and I were to pursue in real estate? How much further would I have been? Not in a regretful manner, but just like a curious way of thinking. Realizing that the work that I'm doing in Hawaii was more like a voluntary service. And that's great. I'm not against that. But to know that all those efforts could have been going towards something that I own. There was something big about it was that I want to own it. So if I'm property managing somebody else's house and he gives me exclusive rights to it, he has kids. You know, one day, maybe eventually uh, his kid's going to want to live there. Hey, Frank, you get the boot. See you later. And I'm left with what all my efforts go into a project that I'm kicked out of. So not that I think that would happen, but it's just this security that I feel like I need if I were to own it. So then I went back to Philadelphia and during COVID or right right after COVID in like maybe 2021. 
And I just started buying houses and started leveraging uh, some money, fixing houses for family members and realizing, heck, I can, I'm flipping houses for family members. I can do this for myself. The numbers made sense. I was willing to put in as much sweat equity and uh, eventually just started buying these houses uh, instead of for other people or for myself this time. So just started building from there. And, uh, you know, it's not uh, the best sunrises uh, as Hawaii, but I still enjoy a good sunrise from my commute or from the parking lot to Home Depot. You know, uh, <laughs> it's still the same sun, still the same skies. It's just perception, I guess. Yeah, 100 percent. So what was going on when things really took off? What was your goal that you had, your new goal that you had in mind? And how did you make that start to happen? Uh, last year, I feel like things started taking off for me a lot more. I ended up buying like 12 properties. It was like total of like 30 units. Uh, and that's because I was starting to leverage other people's money more. Before I was just using cash and things were moving, but things were moving slow. So last year, realizing that I don't know everything and uh, it's okay to ask for help. I think it's a big thing with me that I'm like asking for help a lot of times, but it speeds up the process so much more. So being okay with that and also networking, learning from others. I will say the honest thing, I feel like I've been uh, guilty of being in like my autopilot mode. You get so caught up in the in the minuscule day-to-day task. And I, I forgot about the bigger picture. I was like, just kind of, freaking in a, in a hamster wheel, just going back and forth. Everything was, because everything was in the system already and everything was figured out. So in my head, I'm like, heck, if I just muscle it out for a year, I'd have X amount of properties. And yeah, that came true. But I feel like, yeah, I wasn't necessarily clear on a strategic plan of X, like of, of an X amount of houses or strategy. Um, I just knew what I was good at. And I just repeated that over and over and over again last year. Now going into this year with a more mindful approach, I took like a good few months off because I had some hiccups, but now I'm going back into it with, you know, new people on my team. Uh, I have a new assistant now who takes away all the little calling tasks and things like that out of my way. So I can just focus more on the, on the bigger picture, but you know, I'm human. I, uh, we're all, you know, figuring this thing out and, and it is easy to get caught up in the stress of the day-to-day task, which I sometimes still struggle with. What would you tell someone who's interested in following a similar path, getting started in real estate investments and potentially rentals and stuff like that? It's definitely a business to that's very profitable. I'd say there's so much free information nowadays and like YouTube and just the internet in general. Well, invest what you can afford to lose. Do your research before you invest. Get with a mentor because it saves you so much time. If I got a mentor when I first started, I would not be at this level now. I did a lot of mistakes and lost a lot of money as well. And I feel like taking a mentorship prevents you from doing the trials and, and errors and all those mistakes that you usually go around. It just speeds up the time by years. A lot of times these mentorships don't cost more than a couple, a few thousand dollars. But if that can chop off years of your life, it is so much, so worth the value. Everyone's got their own opinion in real estate. Everyone's got their own style of investing, but it's a big road. <laughs> yeah. 
Tell me the benefit of investing in real estate through an LLC versus just as an individual. I just did a refinance on a house that was on my personal name that I bought back in 2021. And for me to do a refinance, it has to be for business purposes. So they can only lend to an LLC. For me to do the transfer, I have to pay transfer taxes. I ended up paying like five grand in transfer taxes. That was a hefty price tag on a, on a simple LOC. LOC really just stands for limited liability company. Aside from the benefits that it's easier to take loans off of LOC, uh, it protects your, your butt. Um, you know, if you were to get in a fight with somebody or do something personal, whatever, against something, and they sue you, but your house is owned by the LOC, then they can't go after your house. They just go after what you personally own. I personally own not much. I don't own anything. It's the LLCs that own it. So it, it's more like for liability reasons as well. LLCs are great to have. Um, you can get business funding. Banks and credit unions love to loan out to businesses, not people. Well, more to businesses because they give out more money to businesses. If you're a qualified, you know, legitimate business, they will loan you more money for a lot of times 0% interest. It's like the gateways of funding open up when you have an LOC. So if you guys want an LOC, I also start them so you can reach out to me. So how long does it take after creating the LLC to build credit that's credible enough to get financed? Depends on your personal credit. If you have great personal credit, then you are able to just leverage your personal credit into your business credit. But your personal credit, you would definitely want to get looked at and get repaired. I have connects who can repair your credit for a very uh, low price. Um, so it's important to get a good credit for the LOC funding to really start maximizing more. Okay, so shifting back into more magical discussion. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to talk more about visualization. Yeah. Because cool. this is something, visualization is something that, it's funny because I just wrote about it today. I didn't necessarily think we would talk about it. But in my journal, I was talking about how visualization as a tool for manifestation has always been something that something deep in me is hesitant to do, or maybe not hesitant, maybe more resistant, because I'm not really sure. I think maybe I I don't feel like I'm going to do it right, or I need to be clearer on what I want before I start to visualize it, visualize it to bring it into my life. So do you have any tips or recommendations or maybe just even methods on how you get crystal clear on what you visualize in order to manifest that thing? I think mental clarity is one of the first things you can be so obsessed with a goal, but if your mind is cluttered with a bunch of random thoughts that don't serve you, that's going to be difficult. So mental clarity, some sort of you know peace of mind, if you have just moments to yourself of tranquility before you go out into the world or before you go to bed, but get practice with mental clarity and organizing your thoughts. There's these meditations that I used to do when I was like younger. Uh, you just imagine a dumpster in your head, in your mind's eye and put all the thoughts that come to your head into that dumpster. Once, you know, five, 10 minutes later, all these random thoughts are put into the dumpster and those no new thoughts are coming in, lock that dumpster or make it a safe and just lock it, forget the code and erase it out of your mental, uh, your mind's eye. And then you're left with blank and then just sit with that blank moment. That's your mental clarity just to be you know, hit the re refresh button on all the thoughts that constantly run, even in our sleep. Once you have that, then now you have a clean slate to, to draw. 
big thing that I didn't mention was uh, vision boards. Everyone, you know, cuts the little things off the magazines and put them on the uh, wall. That's old school. You know, that's like 1980 version. Now we have screenshots. So you have an app that can make yourself uh, a little two minute video of just photos, photo, photo, photo of the car, uh, the place, the house, the money, the partner, everything that you want back to back to back, even yourself, your self image and the most inspired, find the most inspiring music with no words, no lyrics, something like uh, like a gladiator song or something from Avatar when Avatar comes, you know, flying down that cliff, something that makes you feel like alive and you think about puts like a smile on your face on repeat and just make that video with the slideshows and that amazing, dramatic, inspiring music and just hypnotize yourself and just become obsessed train your subconscious to just be obsessed with these things and you're going to find yourself just like daydreaming about whatever wild thought you have it will come naturally as long as you have mental clarity i guess something that i took from the earlier part of our conversation is that you in the past were having those obsessive well Obsessive sounds negative, but just those constant thoughts and that constant focus on the things you were wanting to achieve and the dreams that you were wanting to to bring to life. It seems like you had that really strong clarity around what you were visualizing. Yeah, you're right. Obsession can sound negative, but I've only seen it as a as a good thing. If imagine if your obsession was to help 10 women around you, like you were and because they're going through some I don't know, abusive relationship and you hold the key to get them out of there and you provide them value and, you know, they're giving you monetary exchange for that value. And that's how you make your living and, you know, things like that. But like you hold that key for whatever person's problems and issues and you're there to solve them. I guess it's more than just a end result, but like the process of like finding these solutions for people. Eventually after a while in our day-to-day life, it gets chaotic sometimes, oftentimes, you know, there were times where we were doing like what, four or five houses at the same time. You had construction teams on every site and there's calls left and right, banks calling, paperwork's not filed out, signatures needed, you know, these guys need material, people are on the roof, people are on doing foundation at this house. There's so many things. And when I hear my phone ring, it's like this subconscious reaction. Oh, my phone. Oh, what do they want? But change that perception. Like, how can I help this person? Like, I like, give me, give me more. Is that all you got? Imagine seeing life as like, like war, for example, you're there to go through your day-to-day battles. I mentioned earlier, the, the Julius Caesars, the Alexander, the greats, how many times a day on a regular day basis did they have people running up to them? Oh my God, the borders are being attacked. Your, your wife just got attacked or your wife's nagging at you for something or, you got soldiers that are, you know, in, in, the, in the war line or something like people who have everlasting uh, effects and change and inspire are people who do the things that that aren't easy. And so it's like a pleasure to go into my days knowing that it's going to be chaotic. Heck, I love the chaos. It's an amazing perception shift that now I have because I've, I've met, you know, I've come across people who don't like it. So, oh, my God, it's a headache. Ah, the more houses, more problems, more money, more problems. No, the more money, the more houses, the more housing I can provide people. The the more, you know, kids kids live in these houses, 
families, they have Christmas dinners, they have Thanksgiving dinners, they grow up in these houses. These 12 by 14 rooms is their childhood room that we built. And it's cool because I remember my 12 by 14 room that I shared with my little brother growing up. Heck, it was just a standard room, right? With like ugly green paint on the walls, but it was still the room that I grew up in. It's special to me. And that's what we're creating for people. It's more than the money or the residual income or the passive income. It's like, how can I help you? Uh, how can I solve your issue? You need housing? Well, we'll, we'll build you one. We're renovating one. And so, you know, and I'm sure that could translate with anybody else's work that they're in, whether or not it's their own business or not. I think it's a beautiful and important thing to be of service, to love what you do and to not drag your feet because I think uh, jobs are perfect opportunities to start developing that work ethic, those characteristic traits to be of service, you know, instead of just jumping into a leadership or boss position to serve others. I'm curious to know from you, beyond real estate, I guess, what do you see as super valuable and worthwhile to spend your money on? Land, fruit trees, like a freaking fruitarian garden of Eden, you know, a fruit jungle. You look out, you go into the woods, you see that there's like hundreds of trees. You can't even count them. What if just a fraction of those trees were fruit trees? Oh my God. Peaches, nectarines, mangoes. Well, you know, we're, in the, we're not in the tropics here, but stone fruits, pears, how good they are. Peaches, figs, watermelon. So much good fruit grows up here as well. That's actually why I started real estate. Um, I've always had that vision to want to buy my land and just live strictly off the land and just live that kind of fruitarian human experience. And I was like, well, how am I going to build? How am I going to afford to build these things and buy the trees and buy the land? Well, real estate, I know how to make money off that. So my goal was to always make a certain amount of no a certain amount of money to then buy the land and technically can buy land now. But I think I'm just kind of so, I don't know, accustomed to this certain rhythm or lifestyle that it's kind of hurts a little bit to to drop it and then go to another. People say balance, I guess. <laughs> You'll know when the time is right. And if it doesn't feel like it's right now, it's not. <laughs> I think that's like the, the retirement plan. You know, I'm, yeah. I don't think retirement anytime soon, but it's such a, it's, it's like, you know, the 401k, putting money into this piggy bank to buy land or something. I think that's really important. And it goes back into the uh, sweet, simple joys of life. Like all this materialistic stuff is, is like sculptured out of society, of man's world. But then it comes back into like, what do you, what does it come down to? Like when you're human beings, it's the enjoyment, the the level of emotions, the connections, the experiences. And so like in a natural world, that's growing your own food, you know, for, or at least for me, that is that there's something special about like growing your own food and then and then eating it or, you know, planting your fruit tree and then seeing those fruits grow. I don't know. That's like very fulfilling to me. Yeah, I feel the same way. Well, thank you so much for taking the the time out of your busy life to share all of this with me and the listeners of this podcast. Do you have any final thoughts, wishes that you want to share? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so yes, I eat a fruit-based diet. And I think that kind of translates into a, a lifestyle of fruition, right? So I was talking earlier how fruition is more than just eating a diet of apples and bananas. 
like what is fruition we hear in a, in a in a in the saying right you know you you reap what you sow the 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 fruits of your labor the fruits of your labor the results of your labor when you work towards something you're working i guess for the fruition and they say fruits well fruits are the last thing that grow off a tree then the question is like how can we become more fruitful in our lives eating a fruit based diet helps but i don't think that necessarily makes somebody fruitful i think once you have that foundation of eating a fruit-based diet, how can we incorporate that fruitfulness into anything we do? How can we become fruitful into anything we do? And for me, fruitful means success. You have a tree that has no fruit and the tree that has fruit, that tree's better off. That tree's successful. That tree's fruitful. And so I want to um, uh, maybe bring up a question. How can we be more fruitful in our lives? In whatever aspect of health, emotional health, wealth, relationships, how can we be more fruitful in that and 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 you know your personal life? So there's just a question to maybe ponder on. It's a great question. So where can people find you online or digitally? On Instagram, you can follow me at fruitful.vida. Um I'm more active on there than I am on any other social thing. I don't post as much as I used to, but you know, we're moving here and, and we're pretty active here in real life. So that matters most, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Frank, for coming on. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Something that made this conversation extra special for me is that Frank and I both have had radical change take place in our lives thanks to just getting up the guts to attend a Woodstock Fruit Festival and then follow the magic that came from it. And if you're ready for a little change of your own, I'd like to invite you to consider the goals and dreams that you're wanting to work towards. The year that I first attended Woodstock was also the year that I became a holistic health and life coach, as well as the year that I got a coach for myself. And in the past few years, I've been primarily focusing on group coaching, but having a one-on-one -on -one coach is so powerful and I've missed offering that. So I'm opening up a few spots to work with me if you're ready. You can find the link to do so in the show notes, or you can simply message me the word ready on Instagram to get the conversation started. Your dreams are important, so let's make them happen. Thanks for tuning in today, and I'll talk to you in the next one.